When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Our responsibility is to make sure we're being extremely thorough. We have a responsibility to 31 other clubs. We have responsibility to partners. We have a responsibility to fans uh, to understand all of what happened and make sure that something that we don't know happened didn't happen. And so from our standpoint, we, we want to make sure we're being thorough. Um, our team has been on it. Um, we have been focused on this. Uh, I think uh, it has not been that lengthy of time. We have obviously put the focus on it, but we're going to get it right. And when we come to a conclusion, we'll certainly make sure people are aware of it. The reason that Jonathan played that from Roger Goodell is it's vastly different than what we heard from Rob Manfred in terms of addressing a scandal. Rob Manfred said that the championship trophy is a piece of metal and said if you look at the Astros' faces, you can tell how much they've been punished. So... Congratulations to Rob Manfred for making something that was really bad even worse. And what I want to start the show with, and I've got some fun ideas for the draft and free agency, wrote an article about it, but with you, Sage Rosenfels, is the NFL and how they might handle something that happened like the Astros. Because I feel like of all the criticisms we can have of the NFL's handling of different things like player punishments and so forth, uh, I would never expect something to be so bizarre and Bush League as it has been with Major League Baseball and the Astros. Would you agree with that? Yeah, this is a total disaster. And um, probably one you know one of the reasons I haven't paid attention to baseball that much. I didn't love how they did the the steroid you know sc- <clears throat> scandal and mm-hmm. even the fact that they weren't even testing for that. Uh, you know, before they even happen is crazy to me. You know, uh, you know, in sports, when you have millions of dollars in the line, you're going to have players who not just push the envelope but go over the top. And I don't think baseball did a very good job during that era. And it uh, looks like they're major fumbling. Uh, another, you know, opportunity to sort of crack down on cheating and, and those types of things. Pretty obvious to pretty much everybody what has happened here, uh, in, except for Major League Baseball. Yeah. And, and certainly, except for Rob Manfred, who seems to think it was impossible to punish the Astros the way that they should have been punished, which would be either taking away their World Series championship or giving them some sort of postseason ban or offering any type of punishment for the players involved. If we did, were... you, did you see what happened to Manchester City this past yes, weekend? Yes, yes. So I don't know the exact 
sort of crime they committed uh, in the Champions League. I thought of it as something like almost like salary cap fraud. Do you, do you know Jonathan? Jonathan's our resident soccer expert. Yes. What was the exact thing that they did? So they lied about how much income they were getting from their sponsors and where that money was coming from, which is against what they call financial fair play. It's basically a way financial to keep financial fair play. Yep, it's basically a way to keep the big clubs in check so they don't outspend what they're making and they lied about where that money was coming from. Got you. But they don't have a salary cap. They nope. can sort of spend as much as they want. Is that the deal or, or something yeah. like that? But they just have I'm to tell sure the they truth all work together. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they all work together, so like the NFL does, and how much you're making and and blah blah blah. Well, they got fi- they're kicked out of the Champions League for two years. Like that's a, or, or they I think that's the that was what they came down on them, right? Yeah, I mean, they're they're not allowed to play in any European competition, Champions League, for two straight years, which is huge for them. I mean, they basically had like a you know. An accounting, uh, you know, not mistake, but they basically probably fudged some numbers or something, and they got two years mm-hmm. for Major League Baseball. Uh, you know, and, and this is coming off. I mean, in Major League, in baseball of all the sports, more than football has been the like, you, you can't break the rules. Right. There's all this history there, and the numbers, and the, if you use a corked bat or you know all these things, it's the numbers really are are important in that sport and. And uh, you know to to not come down when somebody obviously does cheat, and they want a championship. So what does that say to all the other teams? Of like, well, you know, they didn't get in that much trouble. Maybe we should, you know, try some sort of cheating too. Uh, I think baseball made a, a a huge mistake in this one. And what's been fascinating, Sage, and I wanted to ask you for your opinion on this is how Major League Baseball players have been coming out and very openly saying. The commissioner is a joke. What he's been saying is wrong. They didn't punish them enough, and all of their excuses are ridiculous. This is the most candid I think I've ever seen pro athletes, maybe of all time. Even Mike Trout was saying, yeah, if you tell me what's coming, I'm going to be even better than I already am. And and he even said that they didn't punish them enough. And I think a lot of people believe they should have it taken away or have some sort of much harsher suspension. If you were in the NFL and there was a team – who was cheating in a way that no one else was. Because I always got the sense that the reason other teams were kind of mum on the Patriots is because they were doing similar things and the Patriots just got tattled on. Um, That's not to say it was okay. It's just with steroids, a lot of players didn't have much to say about steroids in the same way that this has happened because it was so widespread and every team was guilty. This is just one team going way up and over the top. I wonder how you would feel if you were on the other side of this, and maybe there's a Saints comparison, but I think that... Well, the, no, I, right? I, let, let's just try to imagine this. Let's just say the defense, uh, before every play, knew what the offense was running. In a sense, like, yeah, we know it's yeah. a run or we know it's a pass. Yeah. Let's just say they all got in their helmet like, hey, it's a run. All right, like, they would... You know, yes, you still have to make the tackle. Yes, you still have to hit the baseball, right? But when you know what's coming, um, that it gives you a huge advantage. And so, I mean, this to me is almost that blatant of a type of cheat. It's as if like Bill Belichick uh, knew, could hear what the offensive coordinator for the other team was calling down to, you know, calling for the play. It's right. as if he could hear that and then signals defense, it's a run. Like that would be that to me is about the same thing in this sort of scenario. Like to know what pitch is coming in baseball, I imagine is a massive advantage, about as big as you can probably have in that sport, which is really a one-on-one sport. It's really pitcher versus hitter, and when you know what's coming, the pitcher now is at a huge disadvantage. And so, yeah, I think that's you know take away the World Series. I I take it away. I would say in 
was it 2017? Uh, that they're just, you know, there was a, a not, no, well, I mean, like 1919 uh, White Sox or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really think it's it's pretty atrocious what they did. Yeah, and then to have the commissioner call the championship trophy a piece of metal. I mean, we think that Roger Goodell steps in it sometimes, or that Roger Goodell is so absent that you go, where, where is this guy to comment on Colin Kaepernick or to comment on... Uh, player safety or whatever else it might be that he rarely shows up and then when he does it's just pr speak and there isn't even really discernible sentences but he's never done anything close to calling the championship trophy just a piece of metal what people work their whole lives for that well obviously this um uh, I guess this commissioner has not learned, you know, for like a lot, like Roger Goodell learned. You know, Roger Goodell's dad, I believe, was a, a U.S. senator. He's been around politics his whole life, and he understands sometimes there's things you have to say, and sometimes silence is the best you can do. Uh, but when he speaks, he he doesn't make too many mistakes. And what's most important for the NFL is that you know revenues topped 15 billion dollars this year. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2010, just 10 years ago, it was eight. Now it's almost doubled. So, like Roger Goodell, he makes mistakes, but like he's doing, he's doing everything that the owners want. It really is increased revenue and those types of things. And he's more often than not handled these situations better, not perfect, but but better than uh, in this situation. You know, an obvious uh, obvious wrongdoing. And when he made that mistake with the Ray Rice thing, which I thought that was yeah. A Very massive mistake. Handled. Very yeah. poorly handled. And then he came back and he went, okay, I'm, we're going to go over the top. And we're go- I should say over the top. We're going to, you know, really, I mean, they, they you could almost say, um, like what, SMU, what happened to SMU, like he almost got the death penalty from a football uh, career standpoint, Ray Rice did, you know, once uh, he came down with the second judgment, right? And that was all based off of fans and everybody else and players. The action, Just like we're going in this situation, the other NFL players were, former players, current players were sort of outraged a little bit by like only two games. I mean, that that for him for him to screw that one up and not watch the tape or you know whatever because we all know in, in any casino hotel that every you know elevator has a camera there. Roger Goodell should have should have seen that and, and should have known that and and the, the the punishment should have been much harsher. Not two games, uh, you know, just starting off. Right, and uh, you can't find what you weren't looking for, which I think we've seen in a number of different instances from the NFL. So I wouldn't ever want to present it as if. Well, the NFL has handled stuff way better than this because they haven't. And Roger Goodell burned the tapes with the Patriots. It's just that Rob Manfred has taken it so much farther. And I wonder if there was something like this going on in the NFL. Like, What would be the equivalent? I, I guess it would be listening into what the opposing team was That's, calling. Would that you be know what it was? What's, right? I mean, when you know what pitch is coming, all right, when you know, and it's like when you know what play is coming or you know what even if it's just run or pass it's a huge advantage you know um it definitely helps especially like on first and second down but um yeah to basically know what pitch is coming I and mean, that's that's just batting practice at that point you know if you know a fastball's coming you know right. a curveball's yep. coming at that point it's just batting practice and and you know if you're anyone's ever been to a major league baseball batting practice it's just they just jack them out when they know it's all you know, seventy mile an hour mm-hmm. fastballs or whatever, and and uh, so sure enough, they they end up winning the World Series probably because of it. Okay, so I've got another thing that is not football related that I want to relate to football. Did you happen to watch any of the NBA All Star Game last night, Sage? I did not. Okay, I don't blame you for that. 
Because you were grinding tape, which we'll get to. I was to. not grinding tape. I've, I've gotten to the show Barry. It's an HBO show. Uh, it's brilliant. So anyone out there, if you want to watch, if you ever watch Barry, it's uh, it's unbelievable. It's um, I can't think of the Saturday Night Live guy. He's a serial killer. Well, not I should say serial killer. Killing. He's an assassin. He's an assassin that decides he wants to take acting classes. And it's just a sort of... <laughs> You know, like the guy who you're, you're not supposed to have any, nobody should know about you, like hidden in a little apartment and no one should know about you. You're like just a ghost basically to like, hey, I'm an actor. Like everyone should know how great I am as an actor and be seen. And so it's a really interesting uh, show. That's what I was doing last night. Okay. I was not and watching the All-Star Game. I've been watching BoJack Horseman on Netflix. It's which similar, I think. Is it, Funny and is dark it? at the same time. So you've, you've yeah. watched BoJack? Uh, my son watches BoJack. I've watched a, for a few episodes. It's it's, 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 it's both really funny good. and and dark. Yes. So I, I like yes, those are definitely. those are pretty good. Pretty good. What do you call those? Uh, dark comedies. Yes, I guess? dark comedies. Yes, yeah. for sure. So that's an aside. But uh, I also took some time to watch the NBA All Star Game when it first started. There was no defense whatsoever being played, and even the guys looked bored. So I decided to watch some BoJack Horseman and come back to it. And when I came back to it, though. It was in the fourth quarter that they had changed how it was being played. So the teams needed to hit a certain number that was 24 points more than the leading team, which sounds super convoluted, but basically they just needed to get to 157 points. And all of a sudden, everybody on the floor started playing super hard. They were playing really good defense. They were passing the ball around. They were going to the basket. They were drawing fouls. So the best players on earth, which we have not seen in a really long time in an all-star game in any sport, were trying their butts off at the end of this game, and it was unbelievably great basketball. And it made so, me think, so question, what, what caused them to have to play hard all of a sudden? What was the... So the way that the rules were set up, they played through the third quarter and had a number of points at that at that moment. And then it was first to get to 24 more points than the leader. And that mark ended up being 157. Gotcha. And they, so they had to produce that many points in order to win, as opposed to just playing till the final buzzer. And, gotcha. and the starters were in. So you had Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, James Harden. It wasn't the B All-Stars. It was the A All-Stars at the end of this game. And because they needed to produce this certain number of points, and it was also probably driven because that number of points was 24, which was a tribute to Kobe Bryant, and they probably wanted to play hard in part because of that. But when they had to get to a certain number of points, they seemed to play way harder. And it made me think, okay, Pro Bowl, you're next. Because I never thought I would see an NBA All-Star game again that had serious competition at the very end where guys were really trying to win a game, and yet... Adam Silver, the best commissioner in sports, found a way to figure it out. So, Sage, solve the Pro Bowl for me. What would be the equivalent of this in the Pro Bowl that could actually make it sort of fun? Uh, give everybody who on the winning team a half a million dollars. That's about, <laughs> that's about the only way you're going to get guys to play hard uh, for the Pro or something like that. I think that's that's what you'd have to do, something. Um, I, I, I do think, by the way, I, I was thinking as you were talking – it, let's just say at the end of the basketball season, like in the summertime, you actually did a like six on, you know, six guys, six NBA guys on one team or seven versus seven on another team. And they actually played a game and they played for a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this was a, an all star, you know, sort of pickup game, whatever. But the two, you know, the 12 or, 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 you know, 16 best NBA players and they were playing for real money and it all goes to their charity or something. That, I mean, cause they would play hard. 
they would play really hard. That'd be a lot of fun to watch. I was thinking about instead of having them put on pads and be a complete charade, to have it be something like a seven on seven practice or something, you know, the, the way that the. I think football is just too. Da- like, even seven on. If you made seven on seven really competitive, mm-hmm. it can get very dangerous. I yeah. mean, the whole point of football is fitting balls into tight windows and you're just going to have collisions. I mean, it's a, it's a hard thing with even youth football for people who don't want to do you know, the tackle stuff mm-hmm. that, like, you know, there are collisions in seven on seven. Kids are out there running around, you know, in space. And, uh, and they run to each other, so it's you know it's it's hard to make football uh, you know, super competitive without it you know being super dangerous. And I think the players are only going to put their bodies at risk really uh, for you know some sort of financial gain or something. Yeah, like that. and and teams are not going to want them to play hard, even if it was seven on seven. They're probably it's like boxing. You can't go out and do like a charity boxing <laughs> yeah, match, that's right. you know, and make that's it competitive right. but yet fun. You know, it's like. Um, you have to, yeah, you'd have to get compensated, I would there, think. Yeah, there probably is no actual solution to making it fun and competitive in the Pro Bowl, but it made me dream and made me believe watching the NBA players try as hard as they could to win that game last night. Uh, let me go to the next thing on my list, because I had written down a bunch of things I wanted to get to with you. Did you watch any XFL over the weekend? Zero. Z- I knew it! Zip. I knew that week two Not everyone would stop watching XFL. Zero. Well, I have excuses. One Saturday, my daughter, I was in the museum, and uh, my daughter had a, a dance concert, and then later on, my daughter, other daughter had like a show choir thing, so that I was sort of You weren't putting your day. kids aside for the XFL? And then yesterday, I went, to the, I, went to the, I went to the Omaha Zoo all afternoon. It was a beautiful day. I went to the zoo. So no, nothing. <laughs> I don't know really know much about what happened uh, yesterday. I heard the games were, weren't all exciting. I, I heard uh, that Seattle had 29,000 fans. Yes. That maybe some other stadiums, the uh, for teams that play two home games now, that their um, their fan numbers went down a little bit. But Seattle had twenty nine thousand fans to, I guess, for overall bring the attendance up. So, um, you know, listen, I think football is a uh, an amazing sport. College football is a heck of a lot of fun. I love watching high school football. Of course, then there's this huge jump from college, you know, really unpaid, to guys making a ton of money. That there's got to be somewhere in the middle. There's enough football fans, I think, mm-hmm. if they yep. find the right recipe. And you know, this time of year, people, it's it's fun watching football. I wish somebody said this to me the other day. I it was, actually I shouldn't say I watched maybe five minutes the other day of of, of some game. And the guy I was talking to, I was watching it with, said, you know, I wish when they would highlight a player, like they put up the running back on the screen after he had a carry, it says, like, you know, played at Penn State from so-and-so year and, like, you know, 2017 practice squad Baltimore Ravens. It would give me this sort of like, ooh, this guy's been in the NFL yeah, a little bit. A bi- like he's, yeah, a more detailed bio on He's yeah. really trying to get, you know, like he's been there. He's had a... Uh, you know, a, a, a time, you know, a cup of coffee on some team, or he was on a practice squad, or he was on a whatever. Um, you know, he was on a roster for two years. Like these, you know, guy was on a roster for five years, and this guy is now. I think that would add so much to the story and connect it of like how close these guys are to like NFL players. So uh, yes, and that's what I wanted to bring up is that I have a few additions that I think would make this really better because it's off to a good start and i saw that more people in st louis watched the battle hawks game than they did the st louis blues who won the stanley cup last year that the ratings were higher so there is an interest and the league has a lot of things right but where it has it a little wrong is at the quarterback position for one 
because Cardell Jones and P.J. Walker are super fun to watch. Cardell Jones has this monster arm, and you never know what he's going to do. And P.J. Walker is a smaller guy who runs around a lot and makes crazy plays. And I, I think that they went the wrong direction with getting some old NFL coaches who are kind of washed out of the league and love to run on second down and quarterbacks who are game managers. Like, why, if you're starting a new league, would you have Matt McGloin, a, a, a game manager who's not very athletic or exciting in any way, shape, or form to see? Even when he was in the NFL, he's not exciting to watch. If Matt McGloin is starting for your team, you're selling your tickets to an NFL game, much less an XFL game. So I think that they need to well, go out and so look for guys who are more exciting at quarterback. So question, so then is the league just about winning? Or are we trying to like put people in the stands to go watch this quarterback play who's a heck of a lot of fun? You never know what's going to happen. He's a playmaker. He's got this big arm. He runs around. Oh, but, you know, he it had like four turnovers last week. You know, <laughs> Right. It has to be about the entertainment. If they had somebody in a quarterback, and the best example I could give, unfortunately, plays for the Buffalo Bills. But imagine it was Josh Allen, who last year sort of at times played like an XFL quarterback, just saying. Uh, it, but he has this well, that- massive arm, and he's so gigantic, and he could jump over a linebacker, and he could heave it 80 yards down the field. That playoff game, him and Deshaun Watson were both running around making plays. It was a lot of fun to watch, but it was like 13-13, too, you know, because they weren't really actually scoring points. But, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think there are some... I saw some interesting, you know, coaching aspects of it. You know, like you know, Chuck Long, um, you know, he was uh, obviously a, a college player at Iowa. Uh, you know, was second to Bo Jackson, the Heisman, I think, in the closest Heisman race ever at that point. Um, and then played like eight years in the NFL, but really was just a backup and got into coaching. And then he's been out of coaching, and he, he runs the Iowa games for uh, in Iowa for the last I don't know five, seven years or something like that. And and you know, not and he's the St. Louis. I think he's the St. Louis offensive coordinator up there. You know, because he, he, you know, he, he was a head coach at one point at San Diego State and offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. And and so he, here's a guy who's trying to get back into coaching. I mean, I don't know. I, I think there's there's you know, um, who, the air raid. The guy who invented the air raid is out there as one of the head coaches. And we're you know we're seeing some of that air raid stuff. I think they are trying to do. Uh, you know, a lot of different things with their offenses and trying to, you know, I think that, listen, everyone's just trying to win. I, I think it's competitive. I think the coaches are like looking to, you know, move up to the NFL or get, uh, you know, get some play calling experience or whatever. There, there's NFL people there, but um, I think they're, they're, the, the coaching staffs are, you know, coming from all parts and it's not just, you know, NFL coaches. Yeah, I, I would just like to see it be more crazy in terms of the things that they're going to do as opposed to, coaches a lot of them looking like hey here's nfl things that we're trying to have matt mcgloin do and oh he's bad and so is the rest of the team so it's not that fun i'm even thinking into the high school or or lower college ranks where they have to deal with not great quarterback play and yet still find ways to score a lot of points well you could you could uh you know totally change it up and be the one team that runs the triple option you know that's what i mean something like that right that's, that's exactly not, what I'm getting at. Like, it's make not this, really NFL it development. Different. It's not really NFL development yeah. at that point, but it's more um, just trying to win the league. But uh, you know, they're, 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 that that football is um, it's hard. It's hard to defend if you want play any. You know, any of those Michigan guys or that those teams that would play those uh, air forces and and armies and 
and, and Navy, they would talk about, like, man, those teams were the worst to play against. Notre Dame guys would always say that. It's like that four, cl- clouds in, four yards in the cloud mm-hmm. of dust is super tough to defend. At the end of the game, you're just sort of beat to crap. Uh, and uh, But it's hard to defend, and they do it because they have you know lesser athletes, but also just the fact that nobody else does it. So it, it's just sort of hard to prepare for. So I think it's on the cusp of being something because the setup is good, and the XFL had some turbo snark. Jonathan, do you have the turbo snark thing? Because the XFL's turbo snark was really good on their floor. They tweeted out, we paid our players this week. Like, oh, 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 that's like an eight-mile level slam where the Wait, whole place goes crazy. What do you mean we paid our players? Yeah, the week? AAF did not pay their players. That, oh, was, that was the you. joke. Is that you know the AAF was so bush league that they essentially stopped paying their players after a week or two. Man, that was a disaster. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, this one's got deep pockets. Right. Um, it's got you know Vince um, McMahon who knows how to make money. I mean, that's he's. A, I think he's worth five billion dollars or something like that. Uh, you know, he's he's tasked with his own money. To you know, and he understands TV. He understands demographics. Who loves football? Just mm-hmm. like who loves wrestling? Try to find those cities that matches up the most against the telecasts, or you know, their NFL telecasts. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're they're That's yeah. A big they're, part they, have, they have NFL announcers uh, doing the games. These guys are getting extra work. Sideline people. Uh, I saw Greg Olson doing a game yesterday or two days ago, maybe. Uh, so you know, th- there's. The, the the telecast is top notch, and if you love football, um, yes, the play could be better, but uh, I think it's good. I, I think that there's, there's, I hope it lasts. I hope it makes enough money uh, to keep the whole thing going because I, I think that you know the NFL could use some more quarterback development. And NFL Europe really was uh, a lot of coaches and GMs would say it's really a development league for quarterbacks and offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Those guys need a lot of work, need a lot of time. They're, they're, they're tough positions, not just athleticism, whatever. You got to get the reps, and, and sometimes there's not enough uh, for those guys that, you know, quarterbacks to get those reps, those game reps, and then, you know, okay, well, this guy can be our backup or something like that. And you saw a lot of success stories, success stories out of uh, NFL Europe. You know, maybe there'll be a success story too. Uh, at this, but in particular that quarterback position, but I'm sure other positions uh, as well, where guys just need some film and they just haven't got a look, and and they got a little bit older, maybe may coached a little bit better than they did at some smaller school or something like that, and uh, you know end up being NFL players. That's what this league needs is some a whole bunch of stories of guys that do make it to the NFL. That's right, yeah. And uh, that was the other thing that was on my list of things that they could improve is telling the stories of the players better to how they even got here to the XFL. I think they could do that. Throughout the telecasts, even though they are high level, instead of sideline interviews after a guy threw a pick where he doesn't really say much, maybe take some of that time to have little features mixed in, even if it's 45 seconds, but a profile on someone's background to help you get to know them better. Because a lot of times it's like, wait, do I remember that guy? Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. And uh, I think they could do a better job there. I think that would be that would be absolutely huge, in particular like where they played college, because then your mind might snap back and remember the name if you you know followed mm-hmm. that conference yeah. or something. I think that would be really big, because they're just I don't know who these guys are out there. Uh, I don't watch, you know, I don't, I don't follow the draft that closely, in particular the second half of the draft. But I'm guessing a lot of these guys were maybe drafted or free agents or said had a taste of the NFL, and it'd be it'd be great if you knew that story. It would give the league, I think, more credibility. All right, let's take a break and we come back. Uh, the other day, we debuted the negotiating table with Alex Boone, and uh, guess what? It's your turn, Sage, at the negotiating table, this time with a couple of key free agents out there that maybe the Vikings 
could possibly be interested in. We'll do that when we return here. You'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. And Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local Federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North Download, brought to you by the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. We'll get you back to Purple Daily and NFL Free Agency Talk in just a moment. But first, more new deep dives are available on Minnesota Sports Rewind, including two new episodes on the Johan Santana trade and the craziest season in Vikings history. Minnesota Sports Rewind available on the Score North mobile app, Apple, and Spotify. One of the big names in the quarterback carousel is Philip Rivers. His former teammate Melvin Gordon joined CBS Sports and talked about an interesting place that he thinks Rivers might go. Um, I think he go to the Colts. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, that's just my thought. Just because, uh, you know, we, he has, you know, Nick there is the offensive coordinator. He came from here, and uh, um, Nick the Sirianni. head coach, mm-hmm. Nick Sirianni. Yeah, we had him. He's offensive coordinator there. And um, they run the same playbook, so it'll be easy. He can come right in. He can be telling guys what to do. He knows what's going on already. We have history with the head coach as well, so it'll be an easy plug-in. Um, so I think, you know, I think that's probably the best fit. But, you know, you never know. Um, Tampa out here is a place. Uh, you know, I try not to talk to Phil about, you know, free agency. He has enough people in his ear about that. So um, I think the Colts, though. The best price on everything golf is at the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show February 21st through the 23rd at the Minneapolis Convention Center. All advance paid tickets come with 21 free green fee passes. Go to minnesotagolfshow.com to buy tickets. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar and Sage Rosenfels back here on Purple Daily. And uh, the other day, Sage, we did something called the negotiating table where we debate a free agent and whether the Vikings should sign them or in the case of the other day, it was whether they should bring certain guys back. And so I've got a list of four that I want us to debate whether the Vikings should go after them or not. And in one case for one guy, bring them back. But I want you also to react to what we just heard from Melvin Gordon. Philip Rivers to the Colts has always made a lot of sense. And I I think that that's a great situation for any of the free agent quarterbacks who want to go to Indy. Yeah, I think so, and and uh, I, I like Frank Reich as a coach. I obviously liked what he did when he was in Philly, and and when he comes to this team, and they lose Andrew Luck, and and I thought uh, you know got Jacoby Brissett to play some some you know quality football. So I, that that makes sense, and, and sort of what he said, you got the same offense, offensive coordinator, like sort of one of the reasons that probably helped Favre make that adjustment from. I guess the New York Jets to the Minnesota Vikings, but through that, the Green Bay Packers and Daryl Bevel, knowing that same offense, that's so much easier when you're a quarterback and you don't have to sort of think too much about what all these plays are and still try to decipher those things. It comes off really naturally, like it's written on the back of your hand. You know, that's it's so much easier to, to play well in those types of systems, to feel comfortable in those types of systems, and, and play with confidence when you when you really know exactly what's going on. So if he goes to the Colts, then I. The, the dominoes are fun to follow, right? Like, then who goes to Tampa Bay? Would Bruce Arians be okay with 
Teddy Bridgewater, even though Bridgewater isn't necessarily a guy that you want to throw the ball down the field a lot with. We know that Arians likes to take risks, but they also have great receivers there and a good setup, and they're, they've been building for a few years with the offensive line improving, the defensive line improving. And if you're Teddy, I, I think that that's where you want to go. And I also think him and Arians, from a character standpoint, would probably get along really well. But I don't know if we should count out the Saints for Teddy, too. I mean, we've heard Sean Payton talk about Taysom Hill a lot, but that just doesn't really add up to me that when Drew Brees actually got hurt, Taysom Hill was on the bench and Teddy Bridgewater was going 5-0. and So I've wondered if Sean Payton has sort of been sandbagging a little bit to try and bring down the price for Bridgewater if Brees isn't coming back. It's really interesting once you take the Colts off the table that it seems like there are a lot fewer options all of a sudden. Well, this is that time of year and also where there's a lot of uh, you know smoke being put out there by agents, by mm-hmm. teams, by coaches, by GMs. Uh, you know, the media, there's a lot of uh, uh, stories being told that are just stories and probably nothing uh, real to it. But, uh, you know, everyone is trying to maneuver their way here through you know, the combine coming up. Uh, and obviously we'll be there next week. We will, uh, yep. and There'll be a lot going on with there, and they'll, they'll see all these college quarterbacks throw, and they'll, someone will start to decide, like, you know, let's let's not go after Phillip Rivers. Let's see if we can draft this kid. And they start trying to make plans of what they want to do. And then that free agency starts, and the draft is uh, you know, a month or so after that. So this is that time of year, though. A lot of things, a lot of dominoes, and, uh, and this year in particular – a lot more dominoes than usual, and a lot of veteran quarterback dominoes. And that first one, I guess, is, is Philip Rivers, right? Because he's a true free agent. Yeah, so he can uh, sign tomorrow. He can sign anytime he wants when he's not on a team, or he's been released or whatever. So you know, it's uh, it's that he he'll probably be the the first one to fall, and and uh, I guess he gets to sort of choose where he wants to go, or or unless you know teams obviously don't want him. So I thought that the Bruce Arians offense. Uh, in Tampa would make a lot of sense just because, again, he's lived in that area. Mm-hmm. Philip always liked to throw the ball down the field and be really, really aggressive, and I just thought that would be a perfect fit. But, you know, Arians may not want to go with an older quarterback. He might want to start fresh. Uh, you know, you, you just don't know. Yeah, I do feel like if you're a Tampa Bay fan base, you want to see something here. You struggled through the Jameis Winston era, and uh, there still is a possibility they bring him back. I think that that is uh, a low chance, though, after 30 interceptions. It's hard to just move on from 30 picks um, so uh, or move on with the same guy when he's thrown 30 picks and really ruined your chances at being a great team this year, which I think they have, in terms of a supporting cast, a good enough team to win the NFC South next year if they have someone who isn't turning the ball over every other throw. But thank Here, goodness, look, look this stat up real quick, by the way. How many teams had less than 30 turnovers as an entire team? That, so including fumbles. Including fumbles. Mm, okay, let me see if I can pull this up. There's, pro- there's probably quite a lot. There's, there's seem, yeah, probably a lot, right? I mean, he, had, he probably had just by himself, uh, you know, I, probably the 15th most turnovers in the league for teams or something like that. I mean, So the only teams that had more than 30 turnovers were the Bengals, Steelers, Chargers, Giants, Panthers, and, of course, the Bucks. And that includes fumbles as well. Obviously. Yes. So fumbles. Yeah, there are some teams who had uh, the Giants lost 16 fumbles, and they had a rookie quarterback, and still only ended up with 33 turnovers. The Bucks had 41, which That's was incredible. 11 fumbles, and then the 30 interceptions by Jameis. You just absolutely cannot win games if you're turning the ball over. That well, much. it's a sport where they constantly talk about it in practice and meetings, and they're not trying to say don't be aggressive and all these things, but like. 
they do harp on, uh, especially defensive head coaches, about the turnover margin. It's like everything in the NFL because if you don't win the if you win the turnover margin, you've got you can find these numbers fairly quickly, like a 68% chance of winning the game. If you win it by two, it jumps up to like 83% chance of winning the game. Mm-hmm. Turnover margin is everything, which sometimes causes coaches to be more conservative because they don't want to turn the ball over because they just know that stat is is uh, you know can sort of kill you. So the quarterbacks that throw a ton of them, you know, no, no franchise wants to get behind somebody who's consistently thrown a ton of them. I mean, just sort of year after year after year, and, and this year is uh, the most of all of them. Yeah, the teams that turned the ball over the least, the top five, were five of the best teams in the NFL, the Saints, Packers, Patriots, Chiefs, and Baltimore Ravens. And that's actually what's remarkable about Patrick Mahomes is as great as he is and as crazy the throws that he makes, he doesn't often throw picks or even interceptable passes. That's one of the things that PFF tracks, and they found him over the last two years does not throw a whole lot of interceptable passes even, which just makes him even harder to beat. So if he's not going to have that other bad side of him, then he's almost impossible because the high end is you know, even better than most quarterbacks. Well, that's the thing is even the Super Bowl, with that, that's, we, I don't think we really even realized how good of football we just saw Pat Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in that Super Bowl, he threw two interceptions, but he might be one of the few people who could probably lose yeah. like the – uh, you know, throw three picks, but they're so explosive to come back and, and score 21 points in the fourth quarter. That guy, more than anybody else, can do that. And, and unless you're one of the, that guy, you have to be really careful, careful with the football. Aaron Rodgers has been for years now just mm-hmm. really, really careful with the football and doesn't take a ton of chances. And he had, well, he had four interceptions all last year and, and I think four the year before that. So he, he's extremely careful with the football, and it's one of the reasons they won a lot of games last year. And it definitely hurt the Vikings to be mediocre in the turnovers. Even though Kirk Cousins didn't throw a lot of picks, they did lose 12 fumbles, which ended up them uh, the Vikings being 15th in terms of, or tied for 13th. So they were more of a mid-pack team. And I think if you want to play the way Mike Zimmer wants to play, you have to be an elite team in terms of not turning the ball over. Well, I, I think they we they're pretty good about not turning it over too much, but I think we need to get more on defense, which leads us back to this draft thing that we were talking about here a few minutes ago, right? So we're talking about four players that you and I are going to get good. The negotiating table. This, negotiating this is what table. it's called. Uh, yes. So let's let's ramp it up, Jonathan. Uh, some NFL films music because everything needs NFL films music. So here's what we got. Four free agents, three of them are on the defensive side and one on the offensive side. Uh, I picked these so I could pick a lot more as we go along and make this a bit uh, that we could do on a regular basis as we lead up to free agency. So here are the free agents. Chris Harris, Brandon Schreff, uh, Jadavion Clowney, and Trey Waynes are the four that we will debate. Sage, I want you to pick two of those that you want to argue for, and I will argue for the other two. I feel like with this music in the background, I have to have something pre-planned and exciting. <laughs> and I'm gonna we're, we're going with Brandon Scherf. I think his name Scherf is, is over it, at the University of Scherf? Iowa. I believe it's Scherf over at Iowa. Uh, Brandon Scherf. We're going to go with him. We're getting an offensive lineman. Uh, this guy can pass protect. He'd, he's had a lot of green seasons for PFF, which means he has blocked well consistently in his career. We're going to go with him. And the other side of the ball, Jadavian, Jadavian Clowney. We're talking about turnovers. You got to get more turnovers on defense. Clowney was uh, uh, was destroying people at the end of the season. He was playing good in the play- and until he got hurt there at the end of the year. But that guy, the, the Vikings need a premier pass rusher. I'm taking some of those Emerson Griffin dollars. I'm giving it to Clowney. Clowney and Scherf 
we're going to bolster the lines. Okay, let me argue against both of those guys then, and then you can have your counterpoint, and then I'll make my cases for Chris Harris and Trey Waynes. Uh, with Scherf, his name is extremely hard to figure out how it's supposed to be pronounced. That is a clear negative against him. Uh, but other than that, other than that issue, uh, aging offensive linemen and how much you have to pay them is always really scary. Uh, a couple of years ago, our friend who is now on the show, Alex Boone, they gave him a ton of cash, and he had been great for the San Francisco 49ers. He was all pro. He was a starting left guard in the Super Bowl, and when he got here, it was toward the end of his career. It's much, much more difficult to be great into your 30s as an offensive lineman than some other positions, and it's scary to pay them because if they fall off the side of the cliff, then you are on for a ton of money. So there would be my concern. It's not so much was he a good player, but how long is he going to be a great player? Jadavion Clowney is just going to ask for way too much money. He's good, but I don't think he's ever quite lived up to that player who can consistently week in and week out change the game, where he certainly was in that game against Seattle. And if he wins you one, that's fantastic. But he's just been effective. But I also think there's a lot of great edge rushers who are coming up uh, whether they're in the draft or free agency, that you could fill a spot without paying one player $20 million. Well, there you have it. Okay, do you want to respond to that, or do you want to let Jonathan decide who made the better case? Jonathan, go ahead. Okay. I'm going with Caller here. I, I don't know that I want to pay an aging offensive lineman that much money, and I don't know that I want to pay Jadavian Clowney that much money when I have Daniil Hunter on one side, and then I can just get production from Zimmer's coaching. On the other side. Sorry, Sage. You're gonna have to work on this. All right, now production from Zimmer's coaching. Just remember. <laughs> well, that's but that's what's gonna have to happen. Probably is that they're gonna have to take some guys who maybe aren't big time stars or highly paid and make them good. All right, now I'm gonna argue for Chris Harris and Trey Wayans, and then you get to argue against it. Sure. Uh, Chris Harris, nickel corner is the best of the best at that position. And it's really important for Zimmer's defense to have a great nickel corner. When that position has been average, I think it's hurt them. And he's been one of the best in the NFL for the Broncos for a very long time. You plug him in, and immediately your cornerbacks and your defensive backs are much, much better. And I think that you have to pass and stop the pass in the NFL. So start with him. Trey Waynes is an average corner. But you know what? Average is good. Average means something. And if he costs less than the top guys to bring him back and they can work his salary cap number around so it's not outrageous, they move on from Xavier Rhodes, then you know what you have and you know uh, this guy knows the Mike Zimmer defense and system. He could step back in and be a solid average corner. It makes sense to bring him back. There's my case. Now you argue against it. So here's my against it. All right, Chris Harris is a slot corner. All right, The Vikings got destroyed on the outside last year, in, in particular Xavier Rhodes. They need outside players, not inside guys. All right, On Trey Waynes, if you if you pay in free agency, you overpay mm-hmm. for free agents. That's the Wait, way I'm not supposed to be. say, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh, you're he, wrong. Yes. He's, you will overpay for, for – now you're going to overpay for what you just admitted to, an average player. <laughs> That's not what you want. Yeah. You want to underpay – for a good player, a diamond in the rough, somebody like that, or somebody that has consistently been very good, it's sort of okay to sort of overpay for that because you know what? We, we, we got a dominant player. So you're going to overpay for an average player, and you're going to get a slot core when you need an outside guy. 
Jonathan, what do you think of those two arguments? I think I screwed mine up with Trey Waynes by saying, uh-huh, when Sage was making good points. <laughs> I'm going with Sage here. I don't want to sign either of these two guys. I want to rely, like I said in the first one, I want to rely on Zimmer's coaching ability to coach guys up at that position that he's generally lauded for being a really good defensive back coach. Yeah, and the price on corners is going yeah. to be high, but that goes for any of these positions. That if they're going to make that cap space by moving on from Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Xavier Rhodes, guys that have been around for a while, then are you going to spend to replace it or are you going to spend on the offensive side with someone like Brandon Scherf or Scherf? Uh, sure. <laughs> This might be one of those situations where the Vikings, in reality, actually just wait out and don't go after. The, you know, they—they, uh-huh. they, they're—I don't know what their salary cap number is, but that's pretty high, I believe. By the way, Jacksonville—people should do a little study on Jacksonville's salary cap situation. It's like the worst in the league. They don't have a franchise quarterback. They let their best player go last year because they weren't going to sign him. Somebody else is. A couple of other guys are like free agents, and they still are way over the cap. I mean, that, that team is. Is, is, is very much a mess. But maybe the Vikings wait for, you know, two weeks or three weeks and give a little time. Then you go sign a couple guys for less money uh, that they just you know really, really liked that weren't offered by anybody else. Kind of goes to my theory that teams usually get one or two shots at it and then make a bunch of mistakes because of it. So the Jaguars believed in Blake Bortles because defense and uh, just the randomness got them to the AFC championship game and they signed on for another year of Bortles. It screwed up uh, their trajectory because they still had a good defense in 2018. But then after two or three years, as we're seeing here in Minnesota, the defense starts to crumble a bit. It's very hard to keep together 11 players who are really good. And then they got desperate at quarterback. They overpay for Nick Foles. And here you are. And with Doug Marone in charge, you just hate to see it. Um, Sage Darius Slay is being reported uh, to be on the trade market. Now, if you're Detroit, you're probably not super into the idea of sending Darius Slay to Minnesota and playing him twice when he's really good. But in terms of overpaying for stuff, would it be interesting to call the Lions and see what they're looking for for Darius Slay? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to overpay for a corner... Um, you, you want to overpay for like the best one or one of the best ones that's possibly out there. He's got one year left on his deal, $10 million, and then he's looking for a monster payday. So it's not even just the trade. You have to give him, you know, just huge salary cap dollars. And, and I, that's just, you know, it's just really tough to do to give yep. up two things, a, mm-hmm. a, both a draft pick or a player and big salary cap dollars. And so, um, but, you know, Detroit, that, that's that's not a bad way to go if you're Detroit to try to get some sort of compensation for him going, you know what, in the long term, we just don't want to pay him that much money because of whatever and to try to get something for him now. So teams are looking for corners. The question is, well, will they put up those big dollars? The Rams, by the way, I'm still super interested what they do with that, mm-hmm. with that whole situation of trying to get um, – you know, is like what's his name again? The the corner that was traded there last year for two Jaylen first Ramsey. rounders. To, yeah, Jalen Ramsey. Like, what, what's going to happen? How are they going to get him signed to some sort of deal? And they've already given up two first round draft picks for him. He's probably going to ask for twenty two million dollars a year, something like that. And Slay may ask for the same thing over the course of the next year. So the reason that I was intrigued by the Jalen Ramsey idea last year is because I looked at it as the end of a run a little bit for Mike Zimmer and the end of the defense being together 
everybody who was on the team this year starting in the playoff game started in or was on the team in 2015. You just don't see that very often. And next year could be quite a bit different with these salary cap situations. And it's hard to see them being a contender unless they go all in for 2020 and go crazy and potentially screw up their salary cap from down the road by signing the players that we were just negotiating over, which Jonathan hated all of them. And I don't even blame you, Jonathan, for hating all of them. It is difficult to make a great case to overpay guys either crazy bananas money like Jadavion Clowney or older players like Harris and, and Treff. It just doesn't work out that often for you. You're taking big risks, but... I looked at last year as you, you've got a shot at this, so you should take it because it doesn't get any easier from here. And I guess I wonder, Sage, if you think that going all in for 2020 would make sense to take one more big shot at it, or if they started to look down the road a little bit and say, you know, we have to restock this cupboard. So even though we want to be good in 2020, we might have to actually look at 2021 as a year to be back in real contention for a Super Bowl. I, I think that... They didn't. They didn't know. They know they need to draft uh, well. I, I think, and I, I don't think they need to go all in now. I just don't think they have the quarterback to go all in now uh, and say we've got this, you know, great window. I, I you know, they have a, they have salary cap issues already. They're going to have to. They would have to re-sign. You know, not only add more players, but you probably re-sign the current guys to extensions just to get like their salary cap extended out or something like that. And and I don't. You know, the, the Steelers did that forever and ever and ever with. But they had this expensive quarterback with Roethlisberger. So mm-hmm. I don't like kicking the can down the road type of. Uh, budget, you know, management or whatever from Robertzinski's job. I just have seen the organizations that do that, like Washington was always doing that, but those teams that do that seem to consistently lose, then you're behind the eight ball, then you're sort of playing with the card stacked against you. So I would, you know, prefer that the Vikings go, you know, We'll see what they can do this year, but they at some point may have to go, like, we need to cut some guys and sort of start over and get some younger guys' experience, and that's why this, this draft and the, the upcoming drafts are so important for them because they do need to rebuild. They're going to have to rebuild this defense at some point, player by player, uh, over the course of the next you know two or three or four years. And that's why I'm really interested when we go to the Combine to hear what the buzz is and to talk with Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman again because oftentimes we get at least a sense of where their heads are at. And I, I want to get that feeling of, are you guys going to do something bold? Are you guys going to kind of stay status quo and look toward the future? Are you going to go crazy in the free agent market with whatever cap space you can create when there's a lot of other teams that are going to be pumping up the prices? So what is the plan? I think we'll have a feeling for it by next week. We won't know for sure because they're never going to tell us for sure, but at least have somewhat of a sense uh, if they feel like, yeah, we're going to have to restock or we're going to try to bring all these guys back. So, uh, Sage, great stuff as always. You get to play on Wednesday uh, part of, well, we're going to grind some tape, for one, and then way back Wednesday also, which is a new thing we're doing for the off season. So I'm looking forward to it. I was grinding tape this morning. Uh, Justin Herbert. Nice. Uh, I'm I'm definitely not on the Justin Herbert train. I'll say that. And Tua, that, that is I'm not a the... great tease, Sage. Uh, you should, here's how you radio do this. We'll find out on Wednesday whether oh. I am on the Justin Herbert train or yeah, not. Yeah, that's how you. And um, uh, and about two, I was watching Tua today also, and I'm like, I always ruin his last name, so I'm not even going to try. But Tug of Herbert, to, yeah, Herbert and, and Tua, uh, I was watching a little bit today, so uh, it's fun watching this college football stuff. And and uh, but yeah, I would. 
as a, a preview. I'm off the Herbert thing, but I'll tell you why on Wednesday. Beautiful. That's better. Thank you. Good job. All right. That's right. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you on Wednesday. Well, thanks for your time, Sage. Sounds good. Uh, Arif Hassan from The Athletic to talk some free agency when we return as we can start getting into it. Getting out of the big picture Vikings analysis and picking apart the dead body of last season and getting into how we're going to bring it back to life. So we will discuss uh, free agency. Also, Arif wrote about the defensive line at uh, The Athletic. I want to know what he thinks of bringing back Joseph, bringing back Everson Griffin. We will talk about it when we return. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Join Score North at the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show this Friday, February 21st through Sunday, February 23rd. Your ticket includes gate admission, 14 free greens fee passes, plus seven bonus greens fee passes with advanced purchase courtesy of TwinCitiesGolf.com and one free polo shirt. Tickets and more information at scorenorth.com, keyword golf. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. 50 pass yards, 50 rush yards, 25 receiving yards for Hill. Balls out. Opportunity for the Vikings, and they've got it. Knocked away from Drew Brees, and it was recovered by Jalen Holmes, who just came into the ball game. Daniil Hunter knocked it out. Trubisky keeps, throws, passes, picked by Slay. Darius Slay steps in front of Robinson. And the takeaway by the Lions defense early second half. All right, welcome back into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here, Jonathan Harrison producing. And at 3.30, we will have hot routes. Manny's going to come in. We're going to have Judd Zolgad as well. So we're going to have plenty of fun. But for right now, uh, even more fun, hopefully, our friend Arif Hassan from The Athletic. Are you ready to be fun, Arif? No, but I'll do my best. Oh, okay. All right. Well, at least you try. That's what really matters in sports is trying. Uh, and I'll give you a participation trophy at the end if you've done just okay and not great. Fantastic. I'm a millennial, so I enjoy that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start off with the defensive line. You and uh, your cohort, Chad Graff, wrote about the defensive line at The Athletic. And the toughest decision here has to be Mike Zimmer watching back the tape on Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph and saying, can we replace this? Do I want to replace this? These are people who have been here for his entire tenure, but have really high cap hits. And I'm not sure that everybody is just ready to say, uh, yeah, they're washed and you can't have them back. Um, but I'm also not sure that they're going to take less either if they want them to restructure because they've asked a lot of guys to restructure. How do you think it plays out with Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph? Well, the the problem, I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head. They have basically earned their contract. They've played about to the level that their contract demands, but the Vikings just don't have the capacity to, to handle that. So uh, it, it, I think it really depends on, on those individual players. I think Everson, for example, is much more likely to be amenable to a restructure because he's really attached to Minnesota. He's really attached to the Vikings. They stuck by him through like a ton of stuff, not just the stuff that happened two years ago. Uh, and so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that was something that they were able to work out a little bit better. But honestly, you know, on the open market, both of them will command a lot more than what I imagine uh, the, the Vikings would, would ask of them. Uh, I think the most likely scenario is that 
one of them leaves and one of them stays, and I can't predict who it is. On on one day, I'll say, hey, Armin Watson's a really good nose tackle. Maybe, you know, the Vikings will, will take a look at that and say, you know, goodbye, Linval. And then another day, I'll say, you know, they really value run stopping, and so they'll want to keep Linval and you know, Afadi did really well. And so you could, you know, maybe ask him to compete for a starting job. So you can make a case for either. Okay, hold on. We just have, we have a turbo snark emergency here. So I, I have follow-ups on the defensive line and Linval and Griffin. But Jeremy Fowler of ESPN said that Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a strong market in free agency and could land a multi-year deal paying him around $30 million per year. Oh, oh, you mean, but, but how many touchdowns did he throw in 2015? You mean that NFL teams think that Teddy's really good? I am super surprised by that. Please hit the turbo. Florida. I am completely caught off guard by this, Arif. Totally caught off guard. <laughs> well, who knew he was going to be good? He didn't throw enough touchdowns. Oh, was, gosh, we're both I know. completely surprised by this. Wow, oh, the touchdown. If he had only had a higher touchdown total, then teams wouldn't be. Oh, wait, they are willing to pay him a lot of money to be their starting quarterback. Okay, all right, we can move on. We can go back to that. Just needed a little turbo snark in there. Um, so it's hard for me too, Arif, to figure this out because Linval Joseph has been such a huge part of what they do. Um, to be able to have someone who can chase down running backs on screen passes or rush the passer or uh, stuff the middle in the run game. And I think it's also clear that Mike Zimmer overvalues not over not only running on offense, but running stopping on defense, too, because they brought back Shamar Stefan. So would it be right to say that Linval is easier to replace than someone who's coming off the edge and creating havoc? I think... I think generally, yes. I think for the Vikings, that may not be the case because they've done such an excellent job developing defensive ends that, you know, you you could say it's actually harder to replace Linval, even though you take a look at the NFC North and Linval is a very good nose tackle, might be the fourth best nose tackle in this division. So, uh, yeah, I think generally a nose tackle is is easier to replace, and especially with the players that they have on the roster, but I just think, you know, the Vikings have done such a phenomenal job developing these guys coming off the edge that you could make the argument that uh, it's actually easier for the Vikings specifically, you know, with uh, uh, with Andre Patterson, who might be a little bit more distracted this year with additional duties, uh, you know, developing and identifying those guys. So, again, I think you can make an argument either way. I think generally speaking, you're right. You probably should do kind of the thing that league-wide is a little bit, you know, harder to replace, you know, try and keep those guys. I mean, generally you should probably retain those edge guys. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings looked at it and said, hey, you know, for the past 10 years, we've been great at finding these guys in the middle rounds. Let's keep doing that. So I've been trying to get in the head of Mike Zimmer a little bit and, and wondering what he would be saying in these meetings as they get together with the front office and they talk about, here's what we want. Here's what we need to be a champion. And if you look at recent years... I've given this stat a number of times, but the the last eight teams that went to the Super Bowl were top five in scoring, and I don't think that's any sort of mistake. And when Denver wins it, they're in the Super Bowl against the number one team in scoring. And uh, I don't think that's going to change in the NFL, but I could still see Mike Zimmer saying, you know what we need? We need that number one defense again. We can't be fifth. We can't be 14th in yards. We have to be number one, and we have to pour all of our money into improving on the defensive side as opposed to, because I think it might be the best thing to let both of them go, replace them with players you've developed, 
and and pour that money into left guard, left tackle, another receiver. I just can't see a Mike Zimmer team doing that though. Yeah, that's I think that's that's the difficulty. I mean, one of the one of the benefits of having both Spielman and Zimmer here again is that they're so in sync. They have such a great idea of kind of what what the other one does. They've got great communication, they've got a good idea and a, and a strong vision of the team. But the downside to that is that that Spielman built a roster around kind of Zimmer's a style of football that is just frankly harder to win with. You're right. Uh, and so I think from a, from a front office perspective, really, I, I think the best way to do it is to, is to shed both of those contracts and then uh, kind of take a look at, you know, finding ways to get competition at those spots for much cheaper. And then, like you said, finding a way to bolster left guard, get competition there, invest capital in a third receiver, a fourth receiver, given, you know, the fact that both of the starting receivers have been injured the past two years. Um, I think that, Getting offense and, and, and making sure that your offense can score points on a consistent basis is the surest way to win in the NFL. That happens to the air, so you gotta protect the quarterback, and that happens, you know, with, with good receivers getting open. So you need to have some insurance in case, you know, those top two receivers aren't quite there, because BC Johnson, better than expected. I, I just don't think he's a wide receiver three. Yeah, I, it's right, exactly. That he can fill into any spot and be a guy who rotates in, but it's not a game changer. And last year when we were having the discussion about Antonio Brown, and I will admit that it was a little ridiculous to talk about the cap space it would have taken, and I didn't know how crazy Antonio Brown was at the time, uh, but the major point was, the best this organization has ever been on offense is when they had Chris Carter, Randy Moss, and Jake Reed. And right now, you aren't really that close to even Randy Moss and Chris Carter in comparison, even with two great wide receivers. These are not two all-time great wide receivers, so they need even more help. And a tight end, too, and another running back. I mean, those are those are nice pieces, Arif, but I think it's a huge thing to be able to improve the pass protection, which was not any better last year and to be able to add that extra weapon if you're going to try to get the most out of this three-year contract with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and the benefit, the great thing about about the offense, and one of the reasons the offense controls outcomes more than the defense, is that they get to dictate what the personnel is on the field. And so, you know, with if you've got like five cornerbacks that are really good, uh, you can't just be like, well, we'll just put all five on the field because they'll just run the ball at you. But if you've got three receivers that are incredible, who cares? Put them on the field. You'll use them. So, like, I, I think that there's very little downside to investing in that third receiver spot. I mean, I've seen, you know, mock drafts, or I guess, what do we say here, mock simulations? Draft, draft sims, simulations. draft okay. sims. Yeah, draft sims that have uh, acquired a, a receiver in the second round for the Vikings. And and I think that that actually makes sense, even though, you know, the Vikings need to grab a defensive tackle and they need to find, you know, more pass protection. They need to get a cornerback pretty desperately. I think it still makes sense to grab that third wide receiver, even with a high pick. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe because the Vikings don't have like 80 picks in this draft, you know, maybe you could try and see if you can find a couple of deals with free agency to that end as well. I do appreciate your attempt to use the show vernacular, though. Thank you. Um, Arif Hassan from The Athletic here with us on Purple Daily. The Anthony Harris conundrum, Arif, your thoughts? I pay him. I mean, that's like the one area where I think, uh, you know, I mean, he leads the, the team in interceptions. I think he's tied to the league. In interceptions, it seems like it's not a fluke because he played really well. You take a look at PFF grades, which for safeties are 
you know, hit or miss, but generally the highest graded safeties are, are really good. Uh, and, and he's been at the top since he's, since he's played. Coverage is king. It's more important than pass rush. We already talked about how important pass rush was. Well, coverage is even more important than that. And so, uh, getting a high-end safety that you know to be good, that's familiar with the system, that's comfortable with what you do, uh, and that can cover for, uh, you know, how, how poorly the cornerbacks play. And I think no matter what the Vikings do, they're not going to get, you know, that level of corner play that they got in 2018 or 2017. And so having a way to cover for that will be pretty tremendous. I mean, with Vikings finishing fifth in points scored uh, defensively, that's great. And, and that's despite really terrible cornerback play. And I think a lot of that just has to do with uh, having Anthony Harris back there, who played, I think, even better than Harrison Smith. And so uh, having that guy back there who... I don't think he's going to get paid top-level safety money. I don't think he'll get paid $15 million. I wouldn't be surprised if he got him for 13 or, or I think, you know, shoot for the moon, maybe just $10 million. Um, but that's all possible, and I think that he would be worth it. And we know the Vikings, if they re-sign him, his first-year cap hit will be like six, and then it will be 15 two years from now or, or something like that, that they always find ways to structure it to make it work. So if you really want to bring him back, you can. The conundrum part is that you mentioned the bad cornerback play. If you don't have good cornerback play again next year, I, I think that your chances of winning just aren't that high that uh, this team has to have a really good defense in order to put themselves in the conversation. And when teams can abuse your corners, well, even if you are decent in points, you're still just not going to be a great, great defense. So there would be an argument, Arif, to spend the money on whatever corner that you can get and maybe draft a corner in the first, draft a corner in the second, because you've potentially got a lot to replace here with Trey Wayans. You have to move on from Xavier Rhodes. And then all you have left is Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, and Chris Boyd. Yeah, no, I, I think there is a good argument for it. I think the the difference, and I think a bunch of really smart people can disagree on this. We'll have to find some to talk about it. Um, but I, I think that uh, the stability question, you know, coverage is so difficult to predict. High-level corners will sometimes have really down years, you know, one or two years in a row. Uh, and so uh, when you find a cornerback, it, it can be pretty difficult. You pay them $10 million, $15 million, and you're going to get lesser of a cornerback because they tend to get paid more than safeties. I think the stability you get, the familiarity that you have with Anthony Harris is probably worth it in terms of, you know, paying that guy uh, versus paying another corner from outside the system to try and learn the system right away. Free agents, especially on defense, tend to take a year, I think, uh, within within Zimmer's uh, system to, mm-hmm. to really, you know, grab on and, and, and be really effective. So I think that Maybe you find those corners in the draft. I think you have to bring back, you know, Mackenzie Alexander, um, just because who I don't even know if he wants to come back, but you have to make an attempt. I don't know if Trey Waynes is kind of worth it in terms of the money, but yeah, I, I think that it's going to be difficult to find that corner that's going to play well with a high level of confidence. And so you kind of have to go with the guy that does have a level of stability to what he can do. And I think that that safety can cover maybe not completely, but can cover for a lot of pretty poor cornerback play. Well, it's a good point because usually um, everybody knows how valuable corners are, so they're not letting guys hit the market, and when they do, they are going to be extremely expensive. There's only a couple of decent corners on the market, so you'd rather cover for average corner play than go bananas and and take the risk uh, on getting a 31-year-old Chris Harris or going absolutely nuts to try and get uh, Jones from from the Cowboys. Um, one more thing to throw at you, Arif, because you love stuff like this. 
I, I was looking um, at draft stuff earlier and talking with your buddy Sam Ekstrom on the show about it. And uh, he was asking what position I'd like to see the Vikings draft just by position, not player in the second and third round. And I and I said quarterback in both. Tell me the crazy level versus the does it make sense level. If the Vikings did have plans to move on from Kirk Cousins and they drafted Anthony Gordon and Jalen Hurts or Jake Fromm and Jalen Hurts in the second and third round, is that nutty or does that make a lot of sense because you should take every swing that you can at the most important position? I think a PFF study came out today on that question or yesterday or something like that. And, uh, and, and the answer, well, the answer is to get two. You're talking about kind of getting three, but, um, uh, yeah, if, if they're going to move on from Cousins, you want to get two at some point. Uh, I, I think it makes sense. I do think that there's a level of craziness to it, not just because like no team really does this. The closest, of course, was Washington when they grabbed RG3 in round one and then Kirk Cousins in round four, uh, which worked out to be a, a really smart set of investments, even if they didn't end up holding on to Cousins. Um, The problem is that you're very clearly punting on the season because we just talked about everything the team needs. They don't have the cap space to get it all done in free agency. So, yeah, you're you're punting on the season and you're kind of hoping you can reload into a new window two years from now with a pretty, you know, aged defense. I think that, you know, half of these guys that we're talking about, you probably can't rely on to do as much. So you're doing a lot. You're investing a lot of draft cap, not a first-round pick, and so you're kind of saving on the quarterback of the future in terms of draft picks in a number of ways. Um, but you, you're basically just admitting that, you know, a Super Bowl run's going to be really hard for the next two years. That said, if the Vikings want to move on from Cousins, your options are a first round pick, I think probably next year, not this year, or like you said, investing now and maybe investing a second and a third. And, and that could be better because I think if you get, you know, uh, a, a 75% or a 50% shot in one round and a 25% shot in another round, you're doing a better job than that first-round pick is going to do you two years from now. Plus, you'll be in a better position to know which of those two players is better. You can honestly say it's an open competition. I think there's, like, a theory that really supports this. Mm-hmm. You can use that first-round pick on any player you want, you know, in the next year uh, instead of being forced into a quarterback. But uh, it sounds really nuts. Yeah, right. It does. It does sound really nuts. But teams that go after quarterbacks, even when they seemingly have quarterbacks, often get rewarded. Not all the time, but sometimes. Uh, I was even thinking about the Russell Wilson in the third round and how criticized that draft pick was. Or even someone like Dak Prescott when they had Tony Romo. Like, oh, what are you taking a, what are you wasting a fourth round pick on a quarterback for? Like, oh, wait, he becomes your franchise quarterback. And sometimes that guy turns into Brian Brown and he stinks and there was no reason to pick him in the first place. But you know, there, there are enough instances to support that you should take every shot because no position is more valuable. It's just your, your point is correct that it does appear as a punt, but I also look at recent performances by guys who are rookies. If you're going all in and you're expecting your rookies to be good in 2020, well, how often does that ever happen that they make a massive impact? Even the Vikings first round, Founders recently have not done that in their first year. No, I, I think that's a really good point, especially if we're talking about, you know, finding a cornerback, especially because Vikings cornerbacks in the Zimmer system just takes so long to get good. 
Uh, and they do. They usually, they usually, you know, find a way to, to perform. We saw that with Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, a really underrated, but a really good year. Um, obviously we're kind of waiting on, on Mike Hughes a little bit, but I thought he had some really great bright spots that, you know, Waynes didn't have when he was that young. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, obviously his rookie year was not with Zimmer, but, you know, he struggled his rookie year. Um, it, it's tough, right? To get, especially a cornerback. And that's kind of the area, one of the areas that you're targeting. Um, we just saw Garrett Bradbury have a pretty poor season. I, I, I'm kind of optimistic about him, but you're right. It, it takes a while. Not everybody's going to be, you know, Anthony Barn and have a great year right away. Um, and so, yeah, th- there is a little bit of that. I just think that the more draft capital you kind of pump in, you know, Eric Hendricks, you know, second round guy, you know, he, he performed right away as well. And now you're kind of punting on, on the ability to find kind of your next Eric Hendricks at whatever yeah. position that's going to be. Brian O'Neill played pretty well right away too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think you're probably punting on 2020, but if you're going to do it, I think you should just absolutely do just commit to it. I think riding the middle is going to be probably the most difficult and potentially damaging thing you can do. Yeah. And of course this scenario is if they're just for sure moving on from Kirk cousins, or he said, I'm not resigning here for an extension. Then you have to start making your effort to find the future quarterback, um, no matter what that might take. So Arif, I think you get more than a participation trophy. Maybe this was like a silver, a silver medal for you. Good job. I mean, we don't just give out give out gold. You got to be like Gus Farratt to get a gold. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'll have to settle for never getting a gold then. No, no, I don't think you'll ever be Gus Farratt because he can throw a football <laughs> real good. Um, great stuff, Arif. It was uh, really fun always to have you on, on the show. And uh, make sure that you uh, listen to Arif's podcast on the Athletic and also Zone Coverage, as well as read his work at the Athletic. So great stuff, Arif. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Oh, so much to think about as we go into free agency. This is one of my favorite times of the year when the season gets over and then there's that lull like, okay, what do we talk about and how do we do this? Like, what's our approach or do we get into free agency yet? When do we get it? When do we get in the draft? And then when we start to get the rumors, when we start to get the reports and players get released and and then we've got a sense for who's going to be out there, who's going to be re-signed and then it really gets rolling uh, when we get to the NFL Combine, which we'll be at next week, and it gets exciting. So takeaways there. It's not super crazy, but it sounds super crazy to draft two quarterbacks, which all of a sudden, I love it. I may, That may be my Antonio Brown for this offseason. <laughs> In terms of an idea that I love, that no one else will love, um, that makes a lot of sense it, and won't ever happen. I acknowledge that. I got a tweet from somebody the other day that... Uh, the person said, I enjoy you trying to come up with ideas to fix the Vikings that they'll never do. And I thought, you really get me. Like, that's the show. The show is, let's, at least for now, until there are games again, um, for this moment, the show is, let's figure out some really creative ways that the Vikings could go. Because, well, most of us would bank on them being status quo restructure Everson, restructure Linval Joseph, not spend a lot of money in free agency, get the seventh best left guard free agent to compete with Pat Elfline. That is not super fun to talk about. So I like that idea of two quarterbacks, let them battle it out behind Kirk Cousins, see if you feel really confident about either one of them, and then move on if you love one. Russell Wilson, it was clear right away to the Seattle Seahawks how good he was, and you're talking about a third-round pick. Um, they knew that a couple of weeks into him being there that he was going to outwork Matt Flynn and that he was really talented and he could make it work. 
Not that I think either one of those guys could be Russell Wilson, but we didn't think that then. Sometimes you never know when uh, somebody will turn out to be a really good quarterback. And the important thing is, even if you don't get someone necessarily better than Kirk Cousins, they will be paid a lot less, which makes it ultimately pretty attractive. So let's take a break. We got hot routes when we come back. Uh, A lot to get to with Manny Hill and Judd Zolgad, including I think I had something in there about the dunk contest, which let me just throw this out there before the break. Highway robbery. Just a shame. Just a shame. I know you didn't watch it, Jonathan. The dunk contest was unbelievable. It's the highlights. It's good. And Aaron Gordon did the craziest dunk I've ever seen and then dunked over a 7 5 guy and That was lost. awesome. How do you dunk over a 7 5 guy and lose? I, I want... like how he felt nervous. Like it looked like Taco Fall was oh, nervous yeah. about it. Yes. And that was the best part is that it was. It was organic. It was yeah. like I'm out of dunks. I designed only four dunks for this. So, uh, who's Let's the fuck. tallest guy yeah. over here? Can I jump over you? And then it was amazing when he did it. And somehow he still lost. So that was unfortunate. But uh, there's a connection to that in hot routes. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Join Score North's Rami Maklov and Team KSDP at this year's JDRF One Walk to create a world without type 1 diabetes. Saturday, February 22nd. Join our team or donate to Team KSDP over at scorenorth.com, keyword JDRF. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Purple Daily and Hot Routes in just one second. The, this Score North download brought to you by the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Dale Tondrick's retirement playbook will air at 9 a.m. this Saturday, an hour earlier than usual. Dale Tondrick offers insight and expertise into retirement savings, and you can listen this Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Over at scorenorth.com, we have all your written content covering Minnesota sports, and Derek Wetmore wrote about what he learned while following around new Twins third baseman Josh Donaldson yesterday down at spring training. Wetmore also joins Mackie and Judd coming up at 4.30 for our 10 days of Twins talk. Judd Zolgad, who's getting ready in the studio right now, also has his thoughts on interim wild head coach Doug Evison's first game this last weekend. And Caller also compares the free agency class to what the Vikings already have in-house right now. That and much more is over at scorenorth.com, and it's all completely free. The best price on everything golf is at the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show, February 21st through the 23rd at the Minneapolis Convention Center. All advanced paid tickets come with 21 free green fee passes. Go to minnesotagolfshow.com to buy tickets. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 588! 397! All right, it is Hot Routes Indeed. Matthew Collar here, Judd Zolgad, Manny Hill have joined the party, and Jonathan in as well for uh, a look around the league with plenty of question marks that I have for you guys. So ramp it up, Jonathan. Let us dive right in. Uh, There's a report out there that uh, Tom Brady is going to get a two-year $60 million offer from the Vegas Raiders. Let the chaos. Jonathan is very excited. He wants crazy things to happen in Vegas. They will. Don't worry. They're still the Raiders, uh, even if they're out of Oakland. What would be the most unexpected place that Tom Brady could land? And maybe that answer is the Raiders. What do you think, Judd? Here's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start at the place that Tom Brady has always truly wanted to play, 
with a quarterback who's already there, who I think Bill Belichick put there to block Tom Brady, but his contract doesn't necessarily allow that. The 49ers. Work out a deal for Tommy to go home for one season, try and win a Super Bowl, at which point in time Tommy can then retire and be replaced by Kyle Shanahan's true love, Kirk Cousins. What about a sign and trade? They sign Brady, they trade him straight up for Jimmy G. I'm just thinking about <laughs> You know what? Brady Brady doesn't want to lose to Belichick. And by Belichick trading Garoppolo to San Francisco for the time being he has. But can you imagine him one year with his hometown team? Easily won a Super Bowl with that team. Tom Brady to the 49ers. See, I was thinking I had two teams in mind. Well, three actually, but I'll go with the two that that popped up in my head first. I was thinking, what if Tom Brady wanted to stick it to the Patriots? And what better way to stick it to the Patriots than playing for a team in the Patriots division and getting to play the Patriots twice? So immediately what came to my mind was the Buffalo Bills. They've got a very good defense. Okay, yeah, that would be the most unexpected, that's for sure. Wow. Most unexpected would definitely be the Buffalo Bills. If he said, you know what I've always wanted? And Brady has trashed Buffalo a few times, like with little snide comments. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so in terms of most unexpected, 100% it would be if they were just like, Josh Allen, go away. Tom Brady is our quarterback. So I was (laughs) thinking Buffalo Bills. And you know what? They've got a pretty good defense. They've got some nice skill position players to I mean it would it would be a nice fit for him. I don't think it's going to happen. Obviously it's not going to happen, but yeah, that that's the Buffalo came to mind, Miami came to mind too just because of the weather and playing the Patriots twice too. Jonathan, what is the most unexpected place that Tom Brady could go? Everybody keeps saying it, but I think there's just too much history between him and this franchise. I think the Indianapolis Colts would be surprising to me just because they're the ones who came out with the ball deflating thing and that's kind of kind of tarnished him since oh, that. Oh, sure, yeah. So I don't think he'll go there. So that'd be the most surprising to me anyways. The most surprising to me would be with my best friend, Doug Marone, in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. if, if Brady came out and said, look, I know you guys think that I want to go to San Fran because that's where I grow up, grew up, but I'll tell you, I've got a boathouse in Jacksonville that I just want to spend time at. Do they, is there water near Jacksonville? Yeah, there okay. is. Okay, good. So he's got I'd rather a, be in Buffalo than he's, Jacksonville. He's got a boathouse there. And you know what? I want to play for the second best coach in the league, Doug Marone. If he said that, that would be the most unexpected if he somehow ended up there and the, they traded away Foles and had Minshew. The team to truly get at Belichick, the team to spend a year with and try and win with, is the Jets. Oh, yeah. That oh, would, sure. Belichick yeah, hates, twice, twice hates the Jets. Yeah. You play them twice. And Tom Brady could probably pretty much be a player coach. Like, if he went there, they'd be like, what, he just goes what do says, you think, Shut Tom? Up, Adam Gase. Yeah, you're, what defense should we play, Tom? At Adam Gase wins with old Peyton Manning and old Tom Brady, and everyone thinks he's a genius. He's so in that would be, he goes into Canton as a coach. There, the NFL always has twists and turns. You never know. Uh, I don't suspect he'll end up with any of our squads that we threw out there, but those are those would be fun. Uh, 49ers fullback Kyle Juszczyk, who I have spelled correctly in hot routes, um, he's tired of the criticism for Jimmy G. He says not it's, not, it's, it's not his fault that they lost the Super Bowl. Jimmy G did his job. He did at one point go 18 for 22 and get them ahead by 10 points in the fourth quarter. So I tend to agree with Juszczyk that just because Chris Jones knocked down a couple of passes and your head coach got real conservative at times does not mean that Jimmy G is all of a sudden bad. How many teams would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than their current quarterback? 
How many out of 32, man? You want to start? Yeah, are we thinking how many actually would or how many should want Jimmy Garoppolo over their current guy? I, I Go with how many should. So okay. if you have Patrick Mahomes, then you do not want Jimmy G. Correct. Over, but if you have Gardner Minshew, then you would. I counted 13 teams. You don't have to read all of them, but is I'll go. I'll go quick. Give Give me the most controversial. Um, I guess Vikings. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that is probably the most controversial. But it's hard to argue against because he's gone twenty-one and five in the regular season as a starter. I mean, somebody has that much success and wins and losses over a several season sample. It's hard to say. Uh, or at least a couple of shots he's had. He won early with the 49ers. He mm-hmm. won a couple of games with New England and then a 13-3 season in which he had to beat a number of very good quarterbacks. It's hard to say, no, I'd rather have Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I don't I don't necessarily think Garoppolo's like leaps and bounds better than Kirk, but there's just something, there's something that he seems to have that Kirk doesn't. I mean, aside from just obviously a better overall record but he just seems to be able to when you need him to make a throw or make a play he seems to be more capable of doing that than kirk in my mind yes i agree and he also gets rid of the ball just faster Mm -hmm. in terms of his release cousins needs longer to do the same thing to throw it just as hard because i think grapple has better arm strength and he does have a little baller mentality they just didn't let him use it in the super bowl it seemed like shanahan got very scared I, i thought at the end of that game. Maybe again. Maybe yeah. for the second Super Bowl that he's coached yeah. in, in, in a row. Um, I have 13 as well on my list. Exactly 13, but I don't mm-hmm. have the Vikings. And the most controversial team that I probably have, the Cleveland Browns. I think Baker Mayfield, I don't trust him at all. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I think he's got some uh, physical gifts, but I don't know that that head's not a two-cent head. I don't trust him to make the right decisions. I don't trust him off the field. I just don't think he's all that bright, and I want my quarterback being bright, and I think Garoppolo's a smart kid. Uh, so I have 13 as well. I don't have the Vikings because, to me, the Cousins-Garoppolo thing is very close. Mm-hmm. But um, if I'm Cleveland, I don't know I feel completely confident with this kid who I think is somewhat of a loose cannon, Matthew. All right, Jonathan, what's uh, your most controversial and approximately how many teams would you rather have Jimmy G than their quarterback? I have 12 on my list right now. I think my most controversial might be Jared Goff. I don't know that he's hmm. actually that good of a quarterback to have that kind of a contract. Yeah. I, I think, think he is better than Goff. He he got that contract because Sean McVay's a really, really good offensive mind. And I think if you put Jimmy Garoppolo there, they're a much better team than they were last year. And I'm not even sure we fully appreciate how great the supporting cast for the Rams were in 2017 and 18. Mm-hmm. Gurley was playing really well, and Robert Woods, they had Sammy Watkins there for a year. Offensive Cooper line. Cup turned out to be great. The offensive line was, was dominant. Great. And as soon as it fell apart a little bit, it, it Jared Goff just went to garbage. Uh-huh. And the difference uh, it, with Garoppolo's, I don't think Garoppolo's offensive line was unbelievable. I think in pass protection, they were okay, and they showed some weakness in the Super Bowl, but he would often have to throw with guys around him, and he could make plays. You don't have to bootleg him out every time like you do Jared Goff. The game that they played against the 49ers, Goff bootlegged on like 13 straight passes. <laughs> so that, that really told you about he's Goff is more like Cousins. He needs to have lots of time and lots of space to be able to throw. So I agree with that controversial one. How about this one? I'd rather have Jimmy G than Big Ben for next year. Hmm. Is that controversial at all? Yeah, a little bit of it because of Big Ben's age and, and the fact he's coming off a season-ending injury, not huge to me. They can't do anything with Roethlisberger because his contract is preposterous. So it's not like they can trade him for somebody. He's how old now? 
I believe he's, I he's like 37, 36, yeah. 36 or 37. 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. So I don't know. Maybe that's not super controversial. I'll give you a real controversial one. I'd rather have Jimmy G than Aaron Rodgers at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Let's compare their last year. He's washed. Let's compare their last year. Rodgers holds on to the ball way too long. He is not going to get better. His contract is terrible at this point. And he is trying harder, it seems, to avoid interceptions than he is throw touchdowns. Yeah, that's true. I don't think he had a great season. Their defense played well. Aaron Jones played well. And they had a lot of things break right for them. Are they going to give him more receiving talent, both at tight end and wide receiver? In 2020. Yeah, that would be the question. Because Jimmy Graham being one of your primary targets is, I mean, that <laughs> yeah. literally yep, he leaves, he checks out of the nursing home at 10 a.m. on Sundays and reports to work. And then reports back to the nursing home. You can hear his joints squeak when he <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's pathetic. Yeah. I, I feel empathy for that man's body. But yeah. of course I wouldn't take Aaron Rodgers' prime. I wouldn't right, take Jimmy right, G gotcha. over Aaron Rodgers' prime. But if yeah. we're talking about the next five years. What young, what young QB, if you could, to Jonathan's point. Or like mine with Baker, what's the young QB who you would pull the plug on for Garoppolo that might be controversial? I, this might I might be super wrong on this. I don't know because quarterbacks can be hard to predict. But I just don't love Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is kind of like a Jameis Winston, yeah. where mm-hmm. his ups are real up, and you can be very impressed with him. And you'll hear the well, his last three games of the season were excellent, like great, <laughs> but you know the other games were a roller coaster. The other coaster. thirteen were a disaster. Yeah. I, I always just throw up red flags when someone in college threw a bunch of interceptions. Like, wait, you're telling me they're going to stop doing that when the game is faster and the right. defensive coordinators are smarter? Mm, I don't know. That's hard to buy. So I, I have not been sold on uh, Sam Darnold. I liked him all the way up until they got, ESPN got audio of him saying he was seeing ghosts playing the Patriots. Yeah. Then it was just like, okay, I can't, this kid is... I can't decide, too, if he's just going to be coached in, into an early grave of oh, quarterback, yes. a quarterback yeah, grave. very possible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I'd, you know, I'd like to see guys like Darnold get with a really good coach quickly to be like, okay, can some of this be fixed? And I feel like Gaze, by the time Gaze leaves, he's going to leave in his wake Darnold's career. I'll yeah. give you another controversial one. I would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than anyone in the draft. Is that controversial? Over Tua? Yeah, over yeah, Tua, like a, over yeah, Burrow. Yeah, I'd say that's controversial. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd give you controversial. I'm, I'm concerned about how much time to throw Burrow had and also the players he had around him. What's your Tua LSU concern? was an XFL team. Tua injury? <laughs> Entirely the hip. I really like Tua, um, but Jimmy Garoppolo just took a team to the Super Bowl and has won 21 actual football yeah. games. So saying a guy with a hip injury who's never played in the NFL, I, I would not that's take him over Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo. Uh, next question. Next week, the NFL Combine, as long as my plane gets off the ground, unlike last year, I will be there with Sage. Uh, I want you guys to give me an event that they do not have at the Combine that they should, and feel free to be creative here. All right. As a longtime attendee of this event, I'm going to give you the I'm going to give you NFL Network called After Dark After Combine is done. What I want is I want every executive and coach mic'd up, and I want cameras put throughout the Marriott Hotel bar where they all congregate and basically just dish rumors. They they badmouth um, co-workers. They <laughs> badmouth players. They give you the real scoop about what they're thinking. I would pay money. In fact, you know what? Put it behind a paywall because I will pay for this. 
That's the combine event I want. Subscribe the today. NFL after dark. When these guys all go in and start pounding Budweisers until they can't see straight, and they tell me the truth about, and that's when, that's when, when I mean, how much would you have paid, what now, six years ago or so, to hear Rob Brzezinski in a shouting match with Adrian Peterson's agent at the time, Ben Dodra, <laughs> after the Combine After Dark? Yeah. All right, that's what Combine I want. After dark is Combine a, After is a Dark great event. is what I want. That's my event. I don't care about the people who run around in their skivvies. I was certainly not not something at that level, but I was thinking <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking some sort of a quarterback challenge where they take all the quarterbacks in in this draft and put them in on the field situations to try and test if they can handle a situation where it goes off script. Sure, yeah. Where instead of just having these guys drop back and throw the guys in shorts and see how strong their arm is and, oh, Teddy Bridgewater, he didn't have gloves on, so he had a bad (laughs) workout, whatever. Like, I don't care about any of that stuff. I want to see how many of these guys can handle difficult situations that don't go exactly the way they planned it and see. I want to see how they can handle it. Jonathan, you know how at bars they have like those punching machines that like you punch it and you get a high score for how hard you hit it. Put one of those, but it's just the tackling dummy, and give every defensive player like a five yard running start <laughs> and see how high they can score on how hard they oh, can like hit that the, tackling uh, dummy. Like the Ivan Drago thing where he punches it yes. and the number yeah. keeps going up because he's using crazy amounts of steroids. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's a great idea. I was thinking Fat Man three point contest. Like, <laughs> this thing is so dumb. Uh, in a lot of ways, we use these numbers for guys' entire careers. Like, well, remember he ran a four six or whatever. You know what I mean? But for the most part, teams know what they're getting into. They just want to confirm. They want to see them move around a little bit to see if there could be any potential ailments that they're having or anything that would indicate they would be injured in the future. And I mean, they're looking for how does the guy swing his hips this way or that way? It's not really telling you who's going to be great players. That's what's on tape. And teams are 95% tape and 5% NFL combine. So have them shoot threes. Some of the other stuff is just as ridiculous. <laughs> Having all the offensive linemen shoot from deep on a basketball court would be super fun to watch on TV. Vince Wilfork would have crushed yes, in that. A, he kicked a 35-yard field goal. Yeah, why not just have a fat man kicking knocks. contest? Fat man, a lot of things. <laughs> you just want fat people to do funny yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, I'm going to read you guys some Stefan Diggs te- uh, tweets, and I want you to apply them to your own lives and careers, or just uh, tell me how it relates to you, okay? Uh, first tweet is, things are getting interesting. Next tweet is, everything that was done in the dark is about to come to light, and tired of the cap. Those are the three. Now, I just want you to apply those to anything that you feel like that you relate to them on. All right. First one, things getting interesting when the dog goes downstairs at night and we're up in bed because that's when things get interesting. <laughs> she tear the house? I never know what she's going to do. Mm. She ordinarily, ordinarily might mean it's time for a bathroom break and I'm not getting up to let her outside. And so then the next morning I have to clean up. So that is when things get interesting. Uh, things getting things getting interesting for me was uh, my Saturday night on Twitter after the slam dunk contest. Oh, people! People, people were very, very mad at me. I mean, Aaron Gordon got robbed. How hard yeah. is this? And people were very mad at me because I didn't want to argue with them 
all throughout the night on Twitter about Aaron Gordon getting robbed. I mean, he, he did get robbed, but I was not going to argue with people until 2 a.m. on Twitter. But I finally very, texted you to say, what's yeah, going on? What have yeah, you done? Yeah, that was uh, it was very interesting. It wasn't getting interesting. It was interesting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Things getting interesting for me was uh, last week when Manny had to fill in, I had to have emergency dental work done, and it came time to pull the tooth out, and they just... Shot me up with more Novocaine. Wow. Oh, start pulling it off. That was getting interesting. Ow. Yeah, wasn't fun. Uh, things getting interesting is when you have trade rumors starting to come out. <laughs> Already, we're the week the before the emoji. combine. And because I have very few other hobbies, that would be the thing I think of first. And also, anyone who's watching BoJack Horseman, I'm in the middle to the end of season five. Things getting pretty interesting in a lot of ways. Um, everything that was done in the dark about to come to light or tired of the cap. Anybody have any reactions to those Stefan Diggs tweets? Yeah, I'll go first. And I, I think, Collar, that you would agree with me on this one. When we are proven right about a team lying. Oh, sure. Yeah. Everything yeah. done in the dark, and yep. the team's like, we didn't, yep. no, no, we yes. wouldn't, tra- no, we wouldn't think of trading Stefan Diggs, or we wouldn't think of firing Boods, or what, whatever else. That is when, uh, that, that's when we're proven right, because we so often are, about the fact that the team thinks that people are stupid enough to buy what they're selling. Uh, to take off of that concept, I, I look at the Timberwolves right now, and... It, I think it goes back to the Jimmy Butler stuff, Collar. You talked about it, and I don't certainly don't agree with the way Jimmy handled that situation. And I would not look to him as a guy to handle situations like that in the perfect way. But I think with what we've seen from Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns since Jimmy was right, he was one hundred percent right. And, and uh, that will come to light now with this alleged roster that's going to make them great yes. because it's all the players that fit the system. Yes, I like it. I think it's whenever. We find out behind the scenes information on sports teams, like moves that they're going to do, and then it finally comes out, and we've known about it for a couple of days. I think I, stuff I was, like that. Yeah, I was thinking Astros buzzers. Yeah. We are going to get the truth <laughs> on where this idea that they were having buzzers came from, because it's got to be rooted in something. If Rob Manfred is mentioning it, it has to be. Mm-hmm. There has to be a reason why other teams thought they were using buzzers, and not just the did he have a tattoo on his collarbone or not. <laughs> Hey, he showed it today, okay? He, he did. Uh, last thing, we'll make it quick. The NBA dunk contest, though, or the wrong result. Unbelievably fun. Yes. What could the NFL do to have a dunk contest that would be unbelievably fun? Or something like a dunk contest for football? They would never do this, but I think it would be so much fun if they, they would have the uh, training camp, but make it all-stars, one-on-ones, cornerback, Receiver competition Ooh, yes. in training camp; oh, those are not down. My favorite part of the drag year. out. Yes. Now they would. Now they can be slightly dangerous, and so you wouldn't. But how much fun would it be to get legitimate top flight corners against legitimate top flight receivers, and you know, do this somewhere on national TV? These guys would fight it out. It would be great. It'd be great. Yeah, I was thinking some sort of a field goal kicking contest. Oh, yep, you took mine. That's where but, I was at. I would. I was going to go kickers, but uh, kickers doing hilarious and weird things. See, I was thinking. Would they be fat too? They can be. Could be fat. Janikowski's there. Hey man, Seabass. Janikowski just kick field goals at the same time. Heater while he's kicking field goals. I love Seabass. But I was, I was thinking if they, if they could find some way to simulate like 
adverse weather conditions. Oh, so sure. like adding yes. in like wind, wind or like right. fake snow. You just have a coach sort of... holding a hose and just oh, spraying yeah. him with I it mean, the entire time? These, these guys are dunking over people and having guys hold the ball. You could have kickers yeah. off. You know, someone's holding it or someone bounces it off something or throws mm-hmm. it up in the air and you have to try and kick it. Kickers can do some crazy stuff when they're out there on their own. They can bash it from 65, 70 yards. It's not like kicking in a real game. I think that would be super fun. You got one, Jonathan, before we wrap up? I've seen the drill a couple times, like on the NFL films thing, where the quarterbacks after practice, they'll like throw a football into a trash bin from like 30, 40 yards away. I want to see that. Just trick shots where you you make that quarterback stuff. You just make the hole smaller and smaller until it's almost near impossible to hit it. All right, that was a fun episode of uh, Hot Routes. We will continue to do it throughout the offseason. Manny, appreciate you coming in. Mm-hmm. Judd, you're going to stick around. Mackie, Judd with Rami coming up next. And uh, this week will be how reckless can we possibly get before we get real information? That Because real information what, starts to come out at the combine. your favorite trade speculation or rumor that we've heard so far? I think it's entirely quarterback stuff. Okay. Tom Brady can go somewhere else is my favorite because it's Tom Brady. And I love the idea just as an appreciator of history of old quarterbacks playing somewhere else. Take it <laughs> one more kick at the can. Joe Montana in Kansas City is awesome. And I love any time I run across old Joe Montana and KC games because they're fun to watch. So Tom Brady in Tampa, Tom Brady in Indy. That's number one on the list for sure. So, and Belichick won, then. We will uh, continue to discuss the offseason and lead up to the NFL Combine all week long. Um, tomorrow, Courtney Cronin. And so we'll see you then here on Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.